the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results. We have a very special guest today, the wonderful Radha V. And in case you're wondering who this wonderful person is, 30 years ago, Divine Guidance called upon Radha V to leave behind a successful entrepreneurial business and follow her soul's agreement. Going through self-healing, Radha V deepened her understanding of the human condition. She knew that she is here to break the code that traps humankind. She's a messenger of the divine spark that is veiled and seen as the wounded child. Known internationally, she leads clients through a sacred journey to discover inner peace regardless of their life circumstances. Radhavi, welcome to a show. Tell us, what is the biggest accomplishment that you're most proud of? Andrew, I'm so glad to be here with you and your listeners. And so the question you asked me, it wasn't about the money I made starting my own successful business. It wasn't about the occasional happiness that I would feel. Oh, and my ex-husband gave me a three-carat diamond. It wasn't about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's always nice, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> Which I happen to pass on to my daughter. No, mm-hmm. you mean. Because where I am, my most successful part of my life is when I unveiled the human condition that had haunted me and kept me in a place of lack. Now, I was on a plane flying in air when that happened. Right down the aisle, I saw and understood everything. All the spiritual endeavors that I was working from came from that belief self. And that was the most, it's something that I didn't learn, something that can't be taken from me. And that is why I'm now doing my divine service. So you're saying you received that divine intuition spark when you were on a plane? Yeah, I was awakened. That's the word Mm. one uses. I was awakened from my belief self to my true nature. Mm. Do you think there's any significance of the geography of where you were flying in the world to have that happen to you? Uh, You know, I know it wasn't about where where I am in the world, but I can tell you, I was on flight from the United States going back to Jamaica where I was born because my grandson had passed away in a car accident. And Hmm. it had nothing to do with that. It had to do... Mm, okay, unlocking something within my soul to say, okay, now we're ready. I am, my soul is ready. And it astounded me. And the only person I know that I could speak with about this was my husband. And I um, I waited until I got off the plane and said, Douglas, I have to tell you this. Because he, he and I both are very open to awakening teachers. So just to let listeners know, it didn't just happen like that. It was a place where my heart and my thoughts were moving to. And he always wanted to get in my closet and throw out some clothes he felt no longer serves me. And I would say, over my dead body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
During that time, when I spoke with him, I said, Douglas, you can go into my closet and take out anything you want. Wow. That was to show you the difference between my belief self, those were my identity. I didn't need it anymore. I didn't need those identification. And I'm speaking about this so people can understand really that their belief self is not themselves. Interesting. So let's go back to, yeah, like you said, who you were before your awakening and and, uh, tell us more about that person. Because like you said, it sounds like a lot of people are in that situation. Tell us more about that person. Yes. Well, I was still carrying my wounded self because I had a very difficult situation with my mother. Mm. And it really, really held me into this place. And I walked away from my childhood. This is another thing that I want our listeners to know. How did I walk away from my childhood? I mentally said, I don't belong there anymore because I'm older. And she's this little girl, five-year-old up, is the one disaffected. So in my mind, there was this division, this belief self I am not that, but I am this. And in a mystical moment, I was very spiritual. I, In a mystical moment, I was confronted with her, the child, and I didn't want to see her. I said, just, just leave. Just, I do not connect with you. But she stayed there until I realized. She, was, she had the saddest eyes and looking straight in my eyes, and I knew I had to connect her with me. So those are the moments of being in that spiritual path and moving. But one of the most important thing I want listeners to know is that I had to heal the wounds. They have to heal the wounds because that's what has created the belief self. Mm -hmm. The belief self is our conditioned self. We were conditioned into believing who we really are or who we're not are. Nobody reminded us about who we truly are. And so we took on this survival mode to survive the best we can. And so the best we can is this belief self, this veil that what it has left behind is that innocence, the essence of who we are. So the belief self is looking for love because the the innocence is the one that holds the love. Does that make sense to you, Andrew? Tell us again the... Okay, I know, I know. The innocence, when Mm -hmm. when we were born, we have the innocence, the essence of love, everlasting love. That's... We can never be here without that everlasting love. You're but saying that, inner, inner sense or innocence? Inner lasting, the love that never fails us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Not, not the temporary love that we fall in love and we break up and we move on to someone else. Not gotcha. that love. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that love that never fails is part of what we came in with. That's consciousness. But we don't know that we're only sensing. We're only being aware of everything as ourselves. So when we are confronted with um, anything that's unloving, doesn't mean our parents are horrible people. It doesn't mean that. It means there are certain behaviors that they have that we, in our innocence, is aware of. We're aware of what they think. We're aware of how they look. We're aware of aware of their voice and how they're treating each other. 
So in that case, we start to create an image and an identity of who we think we are. We fit into the human condition world. Yeah, that makes sense. Making sense Um, to you? Okay. And so tell us more about how one day you were able to say, I don't identify with my child version of myself anymore. How did you get to that again? Good question. Good question. Well, you know, I was really a spiritual-minded person. You know, I loved God and so on, but I'm still living in that world. And I had a relationship that was broken up, tore into my heart. Oh, my God. It was so painful that I wanted to hide in the tiniest place. I don't know if anybody else ever feels that way. And it's during that moment when I was into that state, which is not fully in my mind state. I'm in my wounded state that this was shown to me. But the reason why it was shown to me is that I have hit the crossroad of my soul's agreement. I needed to break away from all this hook of separation from my past, and I had to heal it. That was the confrontation, why she was there. I had to heal what separated me from her. Mm-hmm. And so I went through my own deep self-healing. And that was necessary for me because it's during that time I started to learn about the human conditioning. And I really had so much compassion and understanding because having gone through my own wounds, I really relate to people I know that no one misses being conditioned. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do in this world. There are things that we are confronted with that does not align with the essence. Remember, I said the essence of love that we are is true essence of innocence. Yeah. So thanks for asking me the question so I can go and that's very good. Yeah. And so tell us, so like, was there a book that you read or a mentor that you had? Curious how you still came to all, all these good, good, uh, good, good, good question. No, I had, um, let me see where I was at the point. No, I just had this deep, deep love for God. And I would walk into those thoughts. Or maybe I would read some things that relate to that instead of reading something else. So my soul and my heart attracted me to certain things. But the healing was so painful. My breakup was so painful. And I think I was right at that place to hit this defining moment. I could not continue the way I was. And, you know, many people will get to a point where they they have a breakdown. They have a breakdown because their soul is calling and say, okay, now we need you to break apart from your mental activity of thoughts and beliefs. So you're the crack, to open that crack so we can come in of something of more of a divine. And I'm sure some of your listeners would probably really understand or maybe have experienced some of that. Yeah, no, that, that is interesting. And then uh, tell us about what, once you had this epiphany and, and received this divine knowledge, tell us about some of the first people that you started helping with this and uh, what, what their transformations looked like with your, with your guidance. What happened was that once that happened, I was not as separate from my soul. I could feel it. I'm more united with my soul. And so the gifts that my soul had that was holding for me 
was now handed to me. I am not the only one that have gifts from your past, if you believe in reincarnation. So I'm not saying I'm different. I'm just like everyone else. I just yeah. remember in a different way, you know. So when we reach to a certain level of our evolution, when we have connected with the, the with disconnected parts of us, see, this is important. We begin to get closer to the blueprint of who we are, the soul. And so those gifts, I began, I became more intuitive, being empathic. And so I was working with people in a different way, with hands-on, and I could see in them the density, the blocks of emotions that stuck. I could, I began to see that. When I touch it, I would feel it. I would release it for them. And so it expanded more into a more mm, fine-tuning way of how I can read the energy of a person and the emotions that they bring or their misunderstanding that they bring. I'm able to look under the hood, I call it. Interesting. And do you have like a favorite or one of your favorite examples of someone you've helped? Like you, you can make up a name if you don't want to say the client's name. But oh, So many, so many. But yeah. one, because you, I think you speak to a lot of people who are in the business world, financial mm-hmm. world. I'd like to bring one up. And this woman, she was such a grounded, lovely lady. She's married. She's working. She's not working. She's not seemingly falling apart. But when she came to see me, you know, people have to bring to me the things that have disappointed them or issues that are blocked. The main thing that she brought to me is that when she, oh, she had problems with money, how to manage her money, how to save money. Money was an issue. She remembered when she was a little girl, her mother told her money didn't grow on trees. Do you know people, we want to talk to people. Do you know what that block does to an innocent child? Mm-hmm. It doesn't grow on tree. It's not present. It's not physical. Where is it? And that yeah. was that is what had caused her to not know how to handle money. So that was one of those issues about money. And um, gosh, I want to see something else come to me. I had a client from an okay. Ask me a well, question. I'll just say so. So, are you able to today go through some examples? Because I, because like you said, I'm sure a lot of people have that money block. A lot of people are taught that money is difficult to get. Money doesn't grow on trees. You need to guard your money um, at all costs. Um, um, oh, oh, we don't have enough money. I, I can't afford money. that. I can't yeah. afford that. No, put that back when we go into the store. Yeah. Put it back. Put it yeah. back. So I don't how how do you help people overcome that? If you're okay sharing some of the okay. process of what that looks right. like to help overcome that. Yeah. What I do is, you know, I really serve my clients with such love and compassion because I see they're not the problem. The problem lies into a belief. And this belief usually is in the unconscious. They're not aware that this is, is the block. And so we'll go through it. And because of my own strong sensitivity and knowingness, as I said, I look under the hood. Through our conversation and working with our energy field, I can really see where it comes from. And many times because of this money situation in the store, in, in whichever way it comes up, there's a feeling of doubt in the child, lack of deservability. I really, really want people to realize that. Worthiness. 
I'm not worth it. So although the adult self may be using their mental intelligence to work and work through things, something inside of them anchor them into that belief and it's not working. So a very important part of people wanting to be successful in the business world is to really look at their psychology. It really is important. And I know traditional therapy doesn't take the route that I go through because I include the emotions and the deep source of what is not seen and what is not spoken. And so finding those pieces inside that is still locked away is really the key to break through any feeling of, that has hooked them into failure. Now, remember, too, when take a personal story. Yeah. I grew up in a family of nine children. Yes. nine children. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. And my brother, I had three older brothers. So the brother who was 10 years older than me. So I was like six years old. You know, spirit shows me these things. I, because I needed probably to see. So he goes to boarding school and he comes back. And I assume now that his grace was not as good as his father wanted him. I, I assume it because I didn't know it, but based on how he was treated that particular day, mm. And I want to say, my father, I, I stood and watching it. I guess my son needed to see it. My father had him against the wall and he was yelling at him. And he said to him, you will never amount to anything. And, you know, I needed to be really authentic and let people see. I saw that and it stuck in me. And I want to tell you, my sister went to Harvard. All right. So we wow. are. <laughs> My brothers are very successful. This one brother was not successful. Mm, because he got yelled at and uh, the father didn't believe in him. Because he was, there's a word here that I can't find it here. There was something that went through him to lock that belief. So he was, he believed that it was a trans, okay, thank you. It was a transmission. Mm. And I watched it happen throughout his adult life. A very friendly person. Yeah. And, and so that, that's interesting. You mentioned how when you're, when you're working with clients and helping them overcome money blocks and belief blocks and all that, that you say you don't blame it on them. You blame it on their childhood experiences, essentially. <laughs> I blame it on their belief that what happened to them. Mm. And, well, it, I wouldn't say I blame it. It's the cause of what they're holding about their belief. For instance, if someone has an addiction, addictive behavior, you know, people would point at them and, and then judge them and say, you are this, you are that, why, da, da, da. It's not the addiction that's the problem. It's what caused the addiction. Commonly, it's because someone didn't connect with them to let them know they exist in a very positive way. There's a wounding in there that they're holding and they don't know how to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to get rid of mine either. I really mean, no, I remembered everything that was up here. I remember once I was in my car, driving in the car and I said, I had a lobotomy 
than I would remember. Just a thought, yes. What? You were considering so, getting a lobotomy at one point? It, just a thought, the thought of it. Wow. Just an idea of it. So I want, I want people to know I understand what they go through. I do. And if I can get here to live from a place of inner peace, everybody can. And that is my passion and my devotion, to see people live from their divine self, their divine spark self, who they are. <laughs> so that that's really my devotion, Andrew, and, and I, I'm, I'm very committed to that. I can see. And, uh, you know, and nowadays, well, I know for a long time, there, there's the idea of stoicism. Um, well, so I want to go back to what you mentioned with, with belief. So you said, yeah, what matters most is the beliefs about something. So let's say you're, you're a kid and you get hit by your parents growing up. And so now you have a belief that it's okay for people to hit you or it's okay for or you deserve to be hit when you're working with them as an adult, but they still hold on to that trauma. How would you help them shift that belief? They don't have to think like that anymore. How do you help them shift good, that belief? No good question. This is what I think they call soul retrieval, what I do. I think that's what they call it. What I do is I help them to go back to a memory. They may not consciously remember it, but believe me, once we start, we're into that state. We're into that because I'm a little bit altered when I'm speaking to my clients. What does that mean? I'm off, not in my head, but in here. So I'm not fully connected with mind and body. And that state, they are in that state with me, and they'll take me to a memory. And in that memory, there is, they remember, there's a story. And many times they'll be hiding in their rooms and they'll be hearing the fight of their parents, or they will walk back into that place and remember how something that somebody said to them that had really hurt them. Or one client, and it was a man, a young man, he said he would leave the house and go to the back of the house, into the woods, a special place. It was so beautiful. And so I'm gone with him. I'm gone into a place where he used to go. And there he found that wounded part of himself. It's a memory, you know, the memory, like, and so I said, okay, we're going to bring that. And so I'll bring that part back to them, to the heart. And it's a very, very beautiful connection. And some clients will tell me, oh, what they've always wanted is that part, that little child in them. And, and sorry, you bring them back to the memory, uh, a good memory that they want to have or a good memory well, they have? No, no. We take them back to the painful time where they would be releasing it. Oh, oh! So, so you you have them relive the painful time so that they can release it. Yeah, it's the child that's disconnected from them mm -hmm. that is holding that pain, but they're acting it out in the adults' life, and they don't know why they're being so bothered. So when we retrieve that splintered part of their soul, and you know, a lot goes on in that because those pieces really open to me. And some, I can tell them too what I'm hearing and I'm seeing them. And so this is what they're saying. And it's a very beautiful journey. And so when they bring back that aspect, 
it's really energy, but the emotions and memories are connected to that. They become the parent. They reparent that child or they become close friends. And to share every day in the moments with that, with that aspect of themselves is a very beautiful. People transform from it. I have lots of testimonials to the point where I haven't asked for testimonies in a while because I have so many on my website. Of different experiences that people have had, you know, and, and I work with different people. I work with therapists. I work with housewives. I work with professional people, all different types of people. Because you know what, Andrew, we all have been conditioned, and I can't discount and say I only work with women. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe there isn't an answer, but how long does it take for someone to help overcome their childhood trauma? Like what's the fastest you've seen? What's the longest you've seen? I'm curious if you have any answers around that. That's a really good question. It depends the mental structure of the person. What I mean is it there's really locked into something, but I can guarantee that the first session, they will see a difference. I guarantee that. How long, how expansive do they want to go? Do they want to be awakened is a question. So depends on where they want to go. Do you want to be awakened or do you want to step out and be the person you've always wanted to be? Or do you want to live from that enlightened place where you no longer isn't in the human condition frequency, but you are... Not knowing that you're not your body, because there's no one in the body, so that's another deep story. You're not your body. This body is your sacred temple that houses your soul, and this is where your awareness is, and this is where yeah, you live in a place of presence where you're not affected by whatever is going on on the planet, and there's a lot going on. You're not affected by something that happens to someone. I mean, you'll have compassion but you're not taking it to bed with you, you will feel the difference. You will really live from a place of more inner peace. That can take, you You can do that in five sessions. You can go on for a longer time where we have, um, in our sessions, like when you are ready to come back, you say, there's something I need to talk to with Radhavi, you come back. And maybe a few months pass by and, and I'm here and, and that can go into a few years, but it's not a consistent thing that you have to. It depends on how deep that client wants to go. Interesting. And did you say there was a difference between, or you said some people, they, they become enlightened and other people, they become the person they've always wanted to be. Is there a difference Okay. There? The person they think they want to be is, oh my God, I feel so much better. I don't have that toxic thoughts I've been having. And I remember one client, she came in and the problem in the office was somebody in the office was just like a, you know, hit her really, you know, with pain and judgment, not physically, but lots of judgment. And many times that is a reminder of their father or their mother, they will know. They say, I married my mother, or I married my father, or something, mm -hmm. or my boss is my father. So anyway, and this was an early session we had. Usually they come back and I said, I want to know 
what has happened to you? I want to know the changes. Because she said, you know, that person in the office that used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. Yes. Hmm. That was probably the second session. Wow. Already by the second session, huh? Yeah. Wow. So. Uh, Oh, go ahead. No, this is this work is very deep and very fast because we're now going through the mental understanding. We're releasing the emotions is what holds traps the memories in a painful way. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. And then shifting a little bit, how can people tap into their spiritual selves? How can people be better about that? Does that go back to the same category of helping them um, overcome their childhood trauma? Is this is that the same thing um, as tapping yes. into their spiritual selves? Unveiling their wounds. You see, because here, here is the thing. I call it the spiritual self, your, your innocence, your sacred self. It's there, and that's what I call the divine spark. I don't call it that. They told me I'm a messenger for them, so that's the book I'm writing. Mm-hmm. So this is your innocence where you see everything as one. It's so beautiful. But we forget how that is. You know, we do. So <clears throat> as a conditioning occurs, it veils over that beauty, that, 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 as you call it, the spiritual self. It veils over that. And so we start to live in the struggle of identification and survival. Once we start to unveil that, you start to get closer, closer to who you really are. And that's what it is. So there's, there's no way to get around it. <laughs> there's no way to get around it. Yeah. Interesting. And it's, you know, to me, Andrew, I call this a very sacred journey. You get to a point when you look into the, oh my God, that person, I've had so many clients who tell me, say, that person was just like me before I started doing this work. I've heard that. And so what happens when they it reflects on their past, they have a real compassion. Or they may have something they say to that person that makes a difference. See how it works. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful world. And once we start to unblock and the reasoning why we struggle so much, you know, many of us, we want to be healthy. I mean, wealthy and famous. But when we look deep inside of us, is that a heart desire or is it a need? Two different things and two different places it comes from. Yeah. You think people need to be famous? You think anyone needs to do that? Oh, some people, because of their conditioning, or, you know, you go, oh, you need to make a lot of money. You need to be known. You need to get the highest degree, go to college, do all that. Oh, my God, those children are pushed into being seen out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? It's not that they created it. It was created for them to look mm-hmm. at themselves and say, that's what I want, because that's going to bring me happiness. Yeah. But when it comes from here, you know, from our heart, there's something that pulls us forward, not from a need, something that pulls you forward. And at that time, sometimes through that consciousness, you may get attracted to somebody comes your way who can support you in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then uh, shifting gears a little bit here, and obviously you've been a successful entrepreneur for 16 years now. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Longer than that. Longer than that? 30 uh, years in 30? this realm, in this realm, yeah. Not from years. my business world, but gotcha. in this realm. But even a full-time spiritual teacher, entrepreneur for 30 years? Wow. So, so I've, known, I've known a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us, because obviously a lot of people have wisdom to share and they're good at helping people, but they don't always know how to keep a business running and keep the lights on and put food on the table. Tell us more of how you went about making sure you're able to um, be paid well while also serving people. It took a while for me to feel my deservability. Like somebody, you know, said you should charge this and I thought, oh no, I couldn't. So I'm, I'm revealing myself because I want people to see with themselves through my, you know, so I have nothing to hide, but I want to help people so much. I need to be transparent and I want to. So I thought, oh no, I could never do that because <laughs> somebody thought I was worth it. It was a psychic. Into you, you need to go back home from Hawaii. I was in Hawaii. You need to go back home now and start charging a hundred dollars. To me, that was big at the time. I mean, it's yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, through my evolution, and I want people to understand, it's not through somebody coach me into what I need to be, because that's something that we have to accept within ourselves. Doesn't mean that we can't have someone to support us, but the veils have to be pulled and pulled until you begin to identify with something else. And so I now charge $250 for a session. And I have offered something there that I really felt it in my heart. So many people are going through so many difficulties that I have taken one of my programs and I put 50% off. Wow. Mm -hmm. For one of my programs. Yeah. Because Andrew gets to the place where it's not just about the money. It's about how many people can make a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So have you kept track of how many people you've helped over the last 30 years? <laughs> no, but I think it's thousands. Some of them I've forgotten. <laughs> it's <just> oh no. <laughs> You know, my name, I had changed my name at some point because of some, you know, some guidance, some, some memory I had, some past life memory. And a man, one of my clients, couldn't find me. And it was so touching. He searched until he found me as Radhavi. At that time, my name was Faye. Wow. Faye Young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he said, he, he found me and was just telling me, you remember how all of this happened? And a man. And I was just so touched that he took the effort to find, he had to get to connect. So I have clients different parts of the world, clients I've never physically met. Oh, that's so cool. And tell us, was that tricky on your business when you had when you changed your name like did that affect your business at all like was it a lot of work to adjust things tell us about that you know what andrew and never thought about that it's about <laughs> my divine see when you're called to do something the mind doesn't have a place to have an argument with you <laughs> yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. no, it makes sense. You just you said, I'm going to do it, and you just kept, kept going for it. Right. Just yeah. like when you meet the person that you want to marry, there's no place to argue with you to bring any doubts in you. You just know. Yeah, that makes sense. And the other question I have, so when you are helping people on a uh, spiritual level and helping them discover their, their divine spark, 
when it comes to the sales portion side of things, how do you help people see the importance of spending $250 or thousands of dollars with you to help them, excuse me, overcome their childhood traumas? Like, How do you help them understand the importance of that? One woman heard me on a radio show by chance because she said she never opened, listened to that radio show. And I was on, see how divine that is. And she said, I've got to talk to that woman. I've got to talk to this person. And she connected because something, I'm answering it this way to say there's something inside of us that knows that you can't move away from. And, you know, I had private retreats where, on one-on-one basis, and she came to that private retreat. And we worked together for a few years, and her husband came on the private retreat by himself. And so I worked with both of them separately. So I got to know whatever problems or or deficiencies in, in the relationship. And that happened again in Jamaica. A woman heard me on a radio show being interviewed, and she stopped her car and said, I need to meet that woman. Mm-hmm. So people... Well, it's not just their mind, you know, when they're open, there's a feeling. And I've worked with so many people, business people online that I'm meeting that I never charged. And I've looked, stepped back now and I said, you know what? Um, I think in general, people need to have a respect for what they get. So there needs to be a money exchange. And I have a lot of compassion for people who don't have, you know, because sometimes spirit tells me something. Don't charge a person or charge them less. I feel it. So I live from that world, the same world that guides them to come to see me, and they don't understand why. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why I'm to do something, but I'm called because I'm open. Interesting. Uh, and, I, and I love that. Just when I say, it goes back to being a testament to your entrepreneurial skills. You made sure to, to go on radio shows, made sure to go on podcasts. Obviously, you do lots of networking to put your name out there. And you can't uh, you, you can't just sit at home all day and pray that people come to you. You have to put in the work. <laughs> God says, I help those who help themselves. Yep. <laughs> I love that. God says, I help those who help themselves. <laughs> I love that. And out of curiosity, is, is there a uh, radio show that you're looking to be on someday? Or I would love there, to. What is that show that you, you want to be on someday? It would be a show where I can help people with their personal development. It's a show where people really, really want to open to, to see no more who they are or know that there's something inside and they don't know how to get to it or there's a block. There's something not working. So many people know that. There's something not working, but I don't know what to do with it, how to get to that. And that's me. Mm. And do you, and I curiosity too, obviously you probably know Tony Robbins. What helped Tony Robbins um, become world famous is he was able to help a woman overcome a fear of snakes within like a 15 minute time frame. And this woman was having trouble overcoming this fear for like several years with the therapist. And he was able to use NLP to get her to finally overcome her fear. And I'm curious with you be- wanting to be on a radio show with personal development, like how, how confident are you? and being able to help people live on the spot and, and being able to help them rapidly? That's an interesting question because I can answer that. When I was on the radio show, um, people call in from different places. 
and to talk about their issues because whether they're on radio, whether they're on Zoom, wherever the, they are, I can feel it, you know. And a lot of people came back to me for work because the radio show is about people hearing me ask questions by a program that I offer and they have the option of coming, signing up for more. So that's how that works. Because I don't have that, I have this hard space to want to support people. I have, I, I enter from a compassionate place and I don't take the, 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 the I don't take it to where Tony Robbins is in, in, in his way, in his young, 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 it's good. It worked for him, but my personality is different and that probably could help somebody right there through an emotional stuff. And I would not be, uh, I would not step back from that. Interesting. But, but it sounds like you still enjoy helping people live on the radio though, but it's a different method that you use. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It was the same. I'm the same person, but the, I'm hearing them. Right. It's a, it's a different method, but the feelings that they're carrying is not different from on the radio or how to see them on Zoom. Gotcha. I love that. Love that. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say my youngest client was eight months in utero. When, what? Uh, I know. I mean, I just think I'm in a classroom, you know. that. So the grandmother, I didn't know her. The grandmother connected with me because she's here in North Carolina. And she says, my daughter is pregnant and she's having this. I... I'm embarrassed. I don't remember the issue that they discovered that the baby had a major problem. Lots of liquids, belly, and, and that children like that don't have, may not live. They're, they're, they're in serious trouble. And so she wants me to help that. I thought, oh, wow, I've never done that before. But consciousness, does, it doesn't matter whether you are here, there, or where as long as there's a consciousness there. And it was so easy. It was so easy. And the baby was born, and he's so beautiful now. And he had many surgery, many. And every time he was, anything has gone wrong with him, they would call me, and I would be in the hospital with him. And I see his guide, his angel right there. And um, he's a beautiful, what is he, eight-year-old now. Oh, is it, is it, is it eight-year-old now, you said? And I used to, his mother would send me lots of pictures and I would keep that. And it's sort of beautiful. So anyway. Wow. So, so you were able to help an eight-month-year-old baby. In uh, utero. Before birth. Before birth. In utero, yes. Was not yeah. born. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. And so you're still able to communicate with that baby to help it get the strength to. Empathy and consciousness because that's what I'm saying. There's no difference between you and I now than the plant that's behind you. Mm -hmm. There's nothing alive. There's nothing that wasn't created through consciousness. Once we open to that understanding that as consciousness, as I am, everything is available to me to connect. And my plants, I know they know when I love them. I know they know. And I know, Andrew, if you do look do that, you will start having a connection with your plant because 
there's a, you know, I call it, it's a spirit in the plant. But to make it easier for people out there, there's a consciousness. Just the same consciousness in you is the same in me. And although when I go and networking, I te- when I have a breakout group, I tell them the same thing because I said, you know, we look different, but there's one thing we have in common that can never, ever change. And that is a spark. That's a divine spark. And it's the spark from the one flame of God or the divine, whatever we call it. The one flame is that big consciousness that we all sprout from. Yeah, that's fascinating. And like, I think I did hear that somewhere that if you talk to a cup of water and like say a bunch of mean, bad things, it will actually yes, turn brown. Yes, and yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet, but uh, that's interesting to think about. No, try the one with love and compassion. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that plants have consciousness too. Absolutely. Uh, and I think even right now I saw a video on the internet that uh, they hooked up a robotic arm to a plant and gave it the opportunity to, and they put a machete <laughs> in the arm and the arm was like moving all around as it was holding a machete just to like, to show that plant plants have a consciousness as well. And people don't recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's so I, I, that makes sense is that if a plant can have a consciousness, so could a baby in eight month utero and uh, making Absolutely. Sure no, you see, no, you see. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Um, well, well, awesome. Uh, and yeah, so I'm curious, um, as we wrap up here, what do you believe that you're able to do better than, uh, 90% of the world and why? Wow. That would be a mental comparison. But what I want to say is that I don't really compare myself with anything more. I know that I, I have such a devotion. Uh, a devotion and compassion for humanity. That, that, yeah. And but you don't. I like that too. But you don't want to compare yourself. You're just like I. I know my devotion. I know my love. And other people can choose whether or not they want to be on the same level as me. But it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, uh, I, I, I. More and more, you know, Andrew. I'm no different from anyone else. I see the the the, the, the people on the street who are um, homeless. And I begin to look at them as my brother. And I, I need to have the money ready to, to offer them something. And I don't care whether they're a drug addict. I am only offering my love and my blessings. I will not allow my ego to distinguish. Oh, you know, there must be this, da, da, da. That's my opinion coming from me. I, I don't have any opinion. I only have love and, and oneness and know that they too are my brother. Interesting. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, last two questions. Radhavi, how can we best contact you, get a hold of you, reach you? How can people connect with you? Okay. So I think I have, I, I wrote it down. My, my website is really simple. It's like radhavi.net. And, um, and on my website, I offer a 20-minute complimentary communication, whatever they want to talk about. And also, I think I had left on your page this 50% off offer that I'm giving. Yes. So people who said, I'm ready. Because there's a lot of people going out there with an emotionally confused state of what's going on, and they don't know one day from the next. You know, I can feel it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so, yes, make sure to go to our website. 
And then the final question is, uh, what is the one takeaway that you would want people to have from this interview from today? I do this every day, and I would like to invite everyone of my family, because you are all my family, is to perhaps do the same thing. Every night before I go to bed, I'm lying in bed before I close my eyes. I said, what am I grateful for today? And when you do that, you find the most minute thing that you would overpass. You say, oh my God, that was, I'm grateful for that simple, simple thing that happened. And then in the mornings when I wake, I thought, wow, another day, you know, I'm alive, another day to feel gratitude for life. And it's simple. So I leave that with everyone. I love that. Make sure to be grateful before you go to bed and when you wake up. That's wonderful. Be grateful for the next day. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you again for coming on today. This has been a pleasure to have you sharing your wisdom, sharing your love, sharing your inspiration. And everyone tuning in, we'll make sure to see you all for the next episode. And we'll see you all then. Take care, everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.